It is 12.03, Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. You can uh, call through over the next hour. You got uh, pains, problems, issues. Dr. Payne is here. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. By the way, free consultations. Get it happening and get on the road to being, uh, well, I won't say pain-free forever, but you'll feel much better. That's well, the yeah. whole point of the show. Yeah, pain-free right? is uh, sometimes tough to achieve, but yeah. definitely um, managing your pain. Now, doesn't mean you can't be pain-free, right? right? Some things do. You know, I know I know that sometimes I talk about, and it seems a little cynical, that a uh, that a lot of things are just the management issue, but some things do heal and never rear their head again. But, you know, when we give advice and I give you um, information, I'm giving it based on the most up-to-date evidence right. base. So I can't sit here and say, um, you know, things disappear. The evidence would, would suggest that a lot of things are, are management-based, but, you know... That's it's all individual and and some people do absolutely recover and never have that injury rear its head again and and I think that's great and that's you know part of uh, pain management is just that some things are, are going to heal the right way it, it. it is what it is I don't can't so really what do you got going much. on pal week uh, that was yeah week that was I had a case this week um, this was interesting not the, the diagnosis wasn't overall complicated for me what I thought was more interesting was the history of this so this is an older female. Um, who's been having, this is her second episode of severe neck pain, what she termed to be severe, um, with shooting pain down her left arm. Uh, The first episode was in the spring of 2017. It kind of resolved on its own, um, and now this. But she does have a long history of just chronic low-level neck issues, the same stuff I think that we all probably Mm -hmm. encounter to some extent. So um, she's got this more recent exacerbation of her pain. She is, you know, going uh, somewhere to get it treated. And she comes to me and she starts telling me about everything already just from the visual appearance of her neck when I was looking at her. It looked pretty bulky, which is usually an indication that bones are changing, becoming bigger, arthritis is happening. And I asked her, I said, has anyone ever sent you for an x-ray of your neck? And they're like, no, they were thinking of maybe sending me in a little bit if things don't get better. And I said, I think we should send you for an x-ray of your neck right now. Like, you know, this just based on the history you're telling me, um, sure enough, you know, and I'm not, I'm not somebody that says that degenerative changes equal neck pain. Right. And I've gone through this a lot where it depends. It's, it's a 50, 50 because we can take a hundred people out in the public x-ray their necks. 50% may have degeneration, but not the same 50% have um, pain. So it doesn't always correlate. However, in this lady, 100%, it absolutely correlated. There were severe degenerative changes throughout the spine, uh, leading to stenosis in the peripheral on the IVFs on the left side specifically, which is where her pain is much more so. But I thought it was, you know, we, we shouldn't be afraid as healthcare practitioners and professionals that if someone's complaining about this stuff, Take an x-ray. Take a picture of it. Sure, like, why not? You know, people will talk about, well, you know, there's ionizing radiation. And and yes, granted, if someone comes in and you always have to weigh the risks and the benefits of any type of procedure, even something as simple as x-rays. But when you consider that this is a, mid, a middle-aged woman, even a little bit older, she was actually no more than middle-aged. She was almost a senior. You know, what's really a, a series of neck x-rays going to totally. do to, you know, it's it's minimal. And the benefit that you're going to get from getting that information and now knowing what's there and treating it the right way it provides you so much relevant information. And um, 
And I just think sometimes, you know, when you're doing something and things aren't getting better, that's when you investigate further. And it was just that history that she had had this. She's had it again, not really getting better. I kind of could tell by the just trophic changes in, in what I could see that, yeah, there's probably some arthritis going on and there's some degenerative disc disease. I just needed to assess how bad is this degenerative disc disease. And I can't do that with just a physical exam. I have to now take an x-ray and look at this. Um, and sure enough, it was there. And so now... Um, you know, it, it at least we can provide that to whoever her treating professionals are. That way they know if they're treating, what they're treating. Because a lot of times as a treating professional, you may think you're treating something um, like the muscle, not realizing, well, no, this is actually stenosis. Um, and if you're doing the wrong things, this person's not getting better. And so this is pretty consistent. It happens more often than I'm um, happy to admit, unfortunately. But um you know, this is why I'm here to kind of give that second opinion to people. And that's a lot of what I do is people come in, they already have someone that they're seeing, they just need a second opinion, because they want to make sure that they, you know, they're on the right track, or could they be on the wrong track? Um, so it doesn't hurt, give me a call, get my opinion. And, and from there, if I think you're, it's worthwhile for me to assess the situation and give a much clearer picture, then that's what we're going to do. And, you know, and, and a lot of people are taking advantage of this and, and the outcomes for these people are getting better and better because they now know what's wrong with them. They have right. a second opinion. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've recommended my my patients uh, to get second opinions from other people in my team as well, right? And sometimes it's not uncommon that if you come see me that I'll bring in one of my colleagues. Fresh eyes, right? Yeah, just even right in right in that initial exam, I'll say, hang on a second, I'm going to bring in uh, another doctor that I have here and whoever it may be and kind of say, you know, and, I, and I'll just give them a quick history. What do you think? And and it's just good sometimes to have a second opinion. Totally. It's just the right way to do it. Yeah. Tell me a little about the uh, the consultation, the free consultation before we break. Yeah, very, very, very simple. Free consultation. Give me a call, one 855 drlou or send me an, inf, uh, an email at info at paincarecanada.com. Um, name, phone number, a brief history, right, what this is, neck pain, yep. uh, three months history, et cetera. Uh, and then I will call you back or I'll email you back. We'll have a bit of a discussion so that I can find out a bit more. And from there, I can make some recommendations. We'll take our uh, first break, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to call through, got open lines, you have pain, you have problems, uh, bring them on. Dr. Lewis here to talk to you right till 1 o'clock this afternoon. It is the Dr. Payne Show right here in Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 12 minutes after 12 on a glorious Saturday afternoon, 416-870-6400, star 640. On sale. Other than that, you want to contact uh, Dr. Lou outside the show, info at paincarecanada.com and one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. As we mentioned, going into the uh, the first break at the free consultation happening and uh, get it moving. So a lot of people out there, I know some that are natural paths and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're cool. They believe in what they believe, but a lot of people are just ardent against medicine. Yeah. They're not a fan. So naturopaths is a type of healthcare prof yes. professional, but I think you're referring to just people in general. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and this is a this is a real. It's kind of a soft spot for me. It, it gets me a, it gets me going a little bit because um, I'm very much of the opinion that we have a lot of things at our disposal. We have very natural approaches, and we have uh, the more Western, newer approaches of medicine and surgery mm -hmm. that we have. And I think the fact that we have all of those things is Good absolutely thing. amazing. I yeah. think it's great that we have everything. And I think everything has its place. Um, and I think that, you know, the the people that will 
benefit the best from the healthcare systems that we have in place now are people who are not close-minded to one or the other. And it's funny because you'll meet people who are all on the natural side and completely against medicine and surgeries. And then you also meet the people who are all medicine and surgeries and completely against the natural side. And it's like anything in moderation. If you can find that happy medium in between yeah. the two is probably where that you're going to have the most benefit. And, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it, it frustrates me a lot. I see a lot of people who end up coming to see me. And, I, you know, one of my questions that I'll often ask when someone comes in is, have you been to see your family doctor about this? Or or any, like, whoever is your gatekeeper, who's the person that you would regularly see? Um, and the answer is often, well, not often, I shouldn't say often, but, again, more often than I would like to hear is, oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't believe in that. I don't want just the medicine. And, and you know, all they do is push the pills. I, I want everybody to know that there are no doctors out there that are looking to sabotage people, right? right? That doesn't happen. Everybody that is a healthcare professional, um, well, I can't say everybody, because I, but I can tell you that anybody that, you know, minus that 1% or, or that minuscule amount that may be doing it for the wrong reason, the, the vast, vast majority of healthcare professionals just want to provide the best care for people, and they're doing it based on their of perception of what healthcare is. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I hear people who say, uh, yeah, I went to my doctor and they told me that I have to take a blood pressure pill and I don't want to do that. That's all they do. They tell me to take a cholesterol pill or a blood pressure pill. And then I'll say, well, have they ever told you to exercise? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I don't have time for that. Well, what did you want the, you know, yeah, dude. It, it, it's not like they jump to it, right? It's not always the first answer. A lot of the times people are told, you know, quit smoking, get more active, eat a healthy lifestyle. They're given these things in chunks throughout their life from their from their healthcare professionals. It's the people oftentimes that choose not to take that advice. And then they get to the point where they have some type of malady, as you would call it, John, and they have this malady and they need to treat it somehow. And so if they weren't, if they don't do the lifestyle things to change those potential uh, diseases, then the only thing left for this healthcare professional, this doctor, Medicine. is maybe to give them medicine. So whose fault is it really? Right. Is it the doctor who's told you, and, and not even that the doctor has to tell you, we're in a much more educated society. Now, we all know that smoking is bad for you. Drinking excessively is bad for you. Not eating a healthy diet mm -hmm. is bad for you. Not exercising is bad for you. None of this stuff is rocket science. None of it Agreed. is groundbreaking. Nobody's listening to me right now saying, oh, my God, I did not know that. Everybody knows that. If you don't make those lifestyle changes and you don't do those things, then what can you possibly think is going to happen down yeah. the line when you have an issue? I had a person once that came to see me, and, and her and her husband were both smokers, and they started asking me about air purification systems for their home. And I just kind of laughed. And and they were like, well, why are you laughing? I'm like, I, I part of my history is I asked, do you smoke, do you drink? I said, you're worried about an air purification system in your home. And you got a pack of you're smoking, miles you're in each, your pocket. Yeah, you're each smoking a pack of cigarettes <laughs> a day. You should purify your lungs first. Like, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. And and these are the type of people that are looking for these really overly natural approaches or, you know, what light can I put in my home and what this or what that. It's easy to do the right things. Uh, but when you need medicines, you know, when people get sick, there's people that get diagnosed with meningitis or kids, you know, God forbid. And it's like, well, no, no, we don't want them to take antibiotics. No, there is a place yep. for everything. And uh I just think, you know, as a society, we need to realize that we have all these things at our disposal. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Just use them at the right time in the right place. Use everything at the right time and the right place. And, and that's all I can really say about that. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Jack, good afternoon. How are you, pal? Well, how are you? Good. What's going on with you? 
Well, nothing with me, but my beautiful 70-year-old wife was involved in a rear-end collision um, two years ago. She's had neck pain in her left side and the top of her head. Um, we're not in, we don't smoke. We exercise our whole lives. We eat well. Uh, we have a wonderful life, except for this. Right. This is causing um, pain. My wife can't read. Like she was a voracious reader. She can't read more than 10 minutes. Mm. She can't bend her head a certain way. She still attempts to go to exercise uh, three times a week. Now, she went, started going to an acupuncturist um, about five months ago. It's making it's it's doing something to her, making her feel better. She can she can bend her head a little bit. We were told we should go to a pain specialist, ones that inject, uh, um, you know, the, like Novocaine or whatever that yep. to stop to stop the pain. What do you think about that treatment? Well, I think again, the the treatment has every treatment has its its place in in the management of some type of pain. Can I tell you for sure that it's the best option for your wife? No, I can't say that because I haven't assessed your wife. But is that something that is often uh, a good option for people suffering from a certain type of neck pain? Yes, absolutely. The one thing that I can also say is when it comes to car accidents. See, the thing that often happens with car accidents, and I'm not sure if this is your case, and maybe if it is, you'll just, you know, either agree or, or disagree with me after I've said what I'm going to say. But what happens is that people get into these car accidents, they then go for some type of therapy. The problem is, is that that therapy is often just passive in nature. So what I mean by that is that it's someone else doing something to the person. And very rarely is there a proper rehabilitation component implemented. Now, I know you said you guys exercising your wife exercises but see the thing about rehabilitation doesn't rehabilitation is not a term to just mean go do whatever exercise you want to do rehabilitation has to be very very specific and very very graded um, so that it's introduced in a manner you know the same thing as a, a kid's not going to start running they're going to crawl before they walk right. before they run and rehabilitation of of neck pain after traumatic incidents uh, specifically something as high impact as a car accident often requires very very proper graded rehabilitation and unfortunately it's it's often negated in, in people's therapy um, and so I'm not sure if that was the case with your wife but in the absence of good rehabilitation that's really the key that's what ends up getting people better uh, for long term it doesn't necessarily mean that they never have pain again it just means that they do get better you, you, the thing about car accidents is that when you actually break it down and you think about what happens you are you know we're human tissue mm -hmm. and then you have these machines that weigh thousands and thousands of pounds at high velocities, even if you're talking about something at like 50 kilometers an hour, it's still fast. Oh, Hello? Yep. The vehicle that hit my wife who was stopped at a red light was an 8,000-pound parts delivery van. So exactly. Wow. So that's that's my point. When you just stop and think of the transfer of momentum and energy that happens from these big, massive vehicles at these massive speeds into the human body, unfortunately, the, the result is often that pain is going to be there for potentially ever. It's just a matter of how can we do things to minimize that. And oftentimes, the best thing that we see in research is very, very good rehabilitation. Jack, we've got calls coming, and I want to try to get to everybody. Have your wife call me. Let's go through it specifically and see what she's done. And let's see if the, maybe nerve injections are a potential um, benefit to her. But I'll, I'll have to do that by actually assessing her. Jack, one eight five 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 doctor 
Waterloo, D-R-L-O-U, is the number. Back to more of your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We continue on this wonderful Saturday afternoon with the Dr. Payne Show right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1222-416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Get that consultation happening, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. Very simple. Uh, Brian, good afternoon. How are you? Hi. Um, uh, thanks for taking my call. I had a pain in my right elbow that showed up about maybe uh, three weeks or so ago. I was leaning on a floor or something. And a sharp pain just came right from the point in the elbow, not the inside, but the outside. And it it kind of reminded me, I finally put it together about a week ago. I, I at one point, developed shin splints in my legs. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a similar pain to that, like really sharp, okay. but much more localized. Right. And it's right in the point of the elbow. Okay. And have you had this looked at by anybody? I haven't because I don't like going to a doctor's office without being informed. You know, I, I kind of like to uh, do a little bit of research before I actually talk to them. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you could do a lot. There's a lot of different things that can cause um, pain in the elbow, right? So I'm not really sure. This is kind of what I was talking about. You shouldn't really be delaying these types of things because... You know, I, I I agree with you that being informed is probably a good thing, but that doesn't mean that you should be delaying um, somebody looking at it and assessing it because there could be many, many things that could be causing that. It could be something within the bone itself. It could be one of the soft tissue elements surrounding that elbow, uh, like the ligaments or the muscles in that area. It can also be a referral pain from another area of the body. So there's so many things. So in order for you to fully educate yourself on what it could be, that's almost the equivalent of saying, well, you You've got to go to med school and, and or, or physiotherapy school or chiropractic call, whatever, and, and really learn the extent of all the things that could happen in that elbow. I would say as a start, um, you know, going somewhere to someone who is some people, some healthcare professionals are better at assessing musculoskeletal injuries than others. So, you know, definitely if you want a better opinion, I would say someone like a chiropractor or a physiotherapist is going to probably be better than your average um, you know, GP at, at doing these things. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all GPs are not good at these things. I know some that are very good at diagnosing musculoskeletal issues. Um, you know, and, and depending on what the signs and symptoms are, that'll tip someone off to, does this person need to be investigated further in, you know, in terms of an x-ray or something like that? Or does this sound very, very mechanical and we can probably just start treatment and it should get better? And so those are kind of the options. But step one is always getting your issue assessed. I mean, um, I see you're in Mississauga. You can come see me. We can assess it. We can take a look at it and and figure out exactly uh, what it is and then, you know, get you back on to a path of recovery from that issue. But it's very, very hard to say what it could be because it could be so many different things. Yeah, I get that. You said you had an office in Mississauga. I wasn't aware of that. 
Yeah, well, I've got providers all over the place, but I do my assessments out of Etobicoke, which is not very far from Mississauga. So, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just uh, give us a call, and we can uh, book you in for an assessment. Thank you, Brian. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Get to uh, hey Jeff. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, hi, Doctor Lou. How hi. are you? Thanks Good. for having me. No problem. Um, so I'm uh, actually a very um, active fifty-year-old uh, male. Mm-hmm. And uh, I run about uh, 30 kilometers a week, but I have massive, massive hip um, pain. And when I'm sitting, I can't even get up um, after, you know, I'm sitting, let's say, cross-legged at the table or whatever. Right. It's just so stiff and massive and painful. Mm-hmm. And it's radi- radiating, radiating it up on my uh, lower spine. So, okay. I, 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 I mean, obviously you can't diagnose this, but no. uh, I'm just wondering what, uh, I, I'm going to yoga and everything else, but mm-hmm. it's just it's just like wrecking me, man. Have you had any healthcare professionals take a look at it or no? Uh, n- uh, other than uh, yoga or, uh, sorry, other than a uh, physiotherapist? Yeah. No, no, not really. Yeah. yeah. So, and so you said the pain was in your hips, you called it. Does that mean the pain is anteriorly like in the groin or are you feeling it in the back? Um, it, it, yeah, it's radiating up the uh, lower spine, right? Okay. So, yeah. and this is, I mean, I can run like 8K or 5K, it's no problem, but right. then after, like, if I'm sitting playing with the kids or having dinner or whatever, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's just massive after, yeah. like, I can't even move it. Right. Well, so. definitely the best option is obviously, like I said to the last caller, see me for an assessment, we can definitely get to it, but um, just you. just to, to kind of take what you're saying and, and you know, give some more information. A lot of the times, one of the things that you said is that you're a very active 50-year-old. Now, as we age, the the unfortunate reality is that degenerative changes do happen. What you're kind of describing to me could sound like maybe there's some arthritis going on actually in the hip joints. And it's very common that people that have osteoarthritis, um, once they get going in their activity, they, they end up being perfectly fine. I actually have um, a hip issue from when I was a kid. So I actually have pretty degenerative uh, hips as well. And I've tried to do a lot of running as well. And so what can happen is once you're in with what you're doing, it's no problem. Like you said, you can do your eight to 10 kilometers uh, and it's fine. It's it's what happens after um, exactly. when, when exactly. things kind of cool, calm down in the body and enzymes stop working as well. Um, exactly. and, and the pain that happens there. And that's, that can be characteristic of that kind of degenerative changing going on. So definitely. And the good, you know, the thing with hip issues is I'll be able to speak to you when, if you're in my office, this is how quick these things happen with the hips. Yeah. I'll be able to speak to you for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then all I have to do is lay you down and move your hips around. And I will have a pretty good idea. Um, if you've got arthritis going on and if i think you do then we're going to send you for an x-ray um and that'll make it even more evident and depending on what we see with the x-ray um either we may say okay there's nothing overly significant there you're going to have to manage it with you know physical therapy and massage and stuff like that or maybe there's something more significant and maybe you're a candidate for some type of surgical consult and more uh, specialized imaging like mris to assess you know the cartilage uh damage potential and and all those things so yeah, I think come in. Let's let's assess it, and and that's uh, step one. Thanks, Dr. No Lee. problem. Just, uh, on my uh, way to work out a good life. Thanks very much. Have, Have fun, weekend. Jeff. We appreciate your call. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U to get a hold of uh, Doctor Lou uh, when the show is over. Anytime for that matter. Info at paincarecanada.com. Joe, John, I see you guys standing by. We will get to you and your phone calls as well. Four one six. 870-6400, star 640 on cell. More Dr. Pain Show coming right up. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 
1231, Dr. Payne Show, right till 1 o'clock here on your Saturday, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Uh, good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Good. Um, I have more of a story and a question. Sure. Uh, I had six months of, like, uh, pain in my stomach, and then I went to the doctor, and they said, is acid reflux or indigestion? And then I was losing weight, and I did, like, CAT scan, didn't see anything. After a while, one day, I had blood in my stool, and I... Went in and they did a colonoscopy and I had stage two colon cancer. And my question is to the doctor, uh, after I got diagnosed and I did my surgery, I do these blood tests to check tumor markers, mm-hmm. which is a good blood test. Right. I'm wondering why don't doctors do that when a person's healthy so you can get a baseline. And then if you have any kind of symptoms, they can kind of see, hey, there might be some tumors there that maybe a CAT scan can pick up. Yep. Doctor states a false positive, too many false positive, or you got to pay a hundred dollars for this test, and hmm. most people don't know it. But they can get diagnosed a lot earlier if they have something instead of you know uh, finding out the hard way. Right. Well, th- yeah. So a couple things there. Um, number one, it, it's not specific to every type of cancer, and there are a lot of false negatives and false positives that could happen with those. It is a more expensive test, so it's not. As simple as, you know, a complete blood count, which is more standard, much more affordable. Once you have a public system paying for things, um, there has to be rules on when things are uh, done. The, the best thing here is when you have a, what I call a doctor with good clinical acumen um, that hears a person's signs and symptoms and assesses them, you can then send for much better tests that will diagnose uh, things like like in your in your case, it would have been the colonoscopy that would be the best test that you could have had to diagnose your issues. So I, I think to an extent, you're right. There probably are better things out there that we can do for baseline testing. The reality about a public system, though, is that it is very, very costly to do those baseline things. And actually, when you look at somewhere like the United States, uh, where people pay for their own health care, there's a lot of clinics that offer these types of services where it's like, hey, get baseline testing uh, for your arteries so that you know you're at if you're at risk for for a stroke and get this and get that mm-hmm. and people pay out of their pocket for those things so you're not i don't think you're you're wrong in what you're trying to suggest i just think in the system that we have um it, it would be almost impossible because we would essentially bankrupt everything because then where do you start and stop why why shouldn't then everybody have a baseline mri of their whole body as well right so there's too many things um, that you would have to include as baseline. And and again, those are not the gold standards uh, for the diagnosis of everything. But it is very, very important. And it's often used with people who are diagnosed um, to see if the tumor is potentially coming back because you know that this person had cancer. And so it, elim- it minimizes right. the false positives. I just like because it's a blood test, it wouldn't be as expensive. No, no, blood. Just because something is blood work, does it depends on what the blood work is because it, it there needs to be specialized testing. It is they are much more expensive than your standard, you know, complete blood count and something like an ESR or something like that. So yeah, there there is a cost to these things. All right, thank yep, you. No problem. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you, Joe. John, we'll get to you next. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for hanging in. How are you? Good. How's everyone doing? Good. What's uh, what's up with you? Yeah, so um, I have, I, I'm assuming it's self-diagnosed, but uh, tendonitis, and uh, it's just in areas, I've been very physical in my life, and uh, in many different places, my knees, my shoulders, some areas in my back, uh, hip, uh, and my hip flexor as well, and it's just nagging. 
So I might play soccer, I might go to the gym, and then, uh, you know, they flare up, I have to ice it. I'm wondering if it's possible there's some uh, underlying condition. When I go see my GP, it's always kind of like, you know, weekend warrior type of thing he says, you know, you're being active and you're kind of inflaming those areas again. But uh, just getting to the point where I just kind of want to be the way I was when I was in my uh, 20s. How old are you now? I'm 30. I'm not even that. I just turned 30. Yeah, unfortunately, Um, I'm just over 32 and things do start to break down. I know what you're talking about. Um, Come by, come see me. We'll do we'll do a full uh, physical exam and neurological exam to see could it be something underlying. Like very very rarely, just based on your age and kind of the way you're describing your symptoms. But it might be what I like to refer to as functional related. Maybe there's issues in your gait patterns, your posture patterns that would explain those types of things to us. And that's where I would be better than you know most GPs because you know their job is really is there something here that is potentially very, very serious. They don't tend to really focus on a lot of functional issues. And it probably is something like that, that it's more functional related. Um, And so, you know, we can take a look at that and do a lot of functional testing to determine if there's something there and, and how we go about treating it. But yeah, the reality is that there's a difference between 20 and 30, and there's going to be a difference between 40 and 30 and so on and so forth. Okay, great. Okay. Well, you got my number. I left it there, so I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Sure. Brilliant. Thank you, John. We'll get to uh, one more here. We'll slide in, uh, Teresa, before the break. Hey, Teresa, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. What's going on? Um, I'm calling regarding my son. Um, he's been in and out of hospitals, doctors, um, MRIs, colonoscopy, and all the tests, but they're not able to diagnose what it is. He basically gets pain near his abdominal area. Mm-hmm. Like severe pain that he feels he has to go to the washroom, uh, you know, to relieve his bladder, but it doesn't happen. Okay. Um, so the pain is more when he's standing. Yep. He also gets like nerve twitchings um, going through his groin. To has, his... has he seen a neurologist? He has seen everybody. Okay. And they've, they've ruled out any potential neurological cause to that? That's right. They have. Is there a lot of stress going on with your son? He no no not a, no the stress is from the problem that he's going. Yeah, well then that that's but that's mm-hmm. still stress that can that can be a cycle effect. Um, yeah, I mean when you say abdominal pain, obviously the, the number one to con- thing to consider is there anything in the abdomen if they've done blood work and different types of colonoscopies and scans they've likely ruled that out. Another thing that can cause those types of symptoms are neurodegenerative um, and autoimmune conditions. You know something like mul- how old is your son? Uh, he's 33. 33, yeah. So, you know, he's in the age group for something like, you know, multiple sclerosis or something like that. But if he's seen a neurologist um, and you're saying they've ruled that out, then really the only thing that becomes left is the gut has a lot of what's called parasympathetic innervation um, and sympathetic innervation, which is our nervous system. And, you know, people who... Um, are under a lot of stress and the stress can be because they're worrying about what's wrong with them can start to have more and more symptoms uh, of that nature. Having said that, I mean, I can't say for sure. Uh, again, if you like, you can have your son uh, come book an assessment with me. We can run through some testing. Um, he can bring all the relevant tests that he's already had and see if there's something more there. But, uh, you know, in the absence of all those things being ruled out, the good news is you want those things to be ruled out, but you also want to get to the bottom of it. But there might be things that he can do from a more natural perspective. That's where things like naturopathic medicine, once serious things yep. are ruled out, can be very, very helpful. So get your son to get see, come see me for an assessment.
one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U Teresa is that number info at paincarecanada.com to reach uh, Luigi through email and more of your phone calls coming up four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale right till one o'clock the Doctor Pain Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1240. Open phone lines. Uh, feel like uh, give us a call and get some answers. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Hey, Don, uh, good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon, Dr. Lou. Hi. Um, I have uh, psoriatic arthritis. Psoriatic, yep. And, uh, yeah, sorry. And um, I've had uh, both knees replaced right. uh, over the past uh, few years. Uh, the right one, and then the left one. Now, I'm experiencing uh, extreme pain on the inside of both knees, mm-hmm. like right within inside the joint itself. Okay. And I was wondering, I was wondering how that could be possible since they've both been replaced. Yeah, well, you can still get knee pain after your knees are replaced because there's other tissues that they can't replace, like the muscles. Uh, in that area. So it could be a muscular type of pain. It could be a referred okay. pain from somewhere else, right, where you're feeling the pain in the skin. Um, it, yeah. fe- it seems like you're feeling it in that area, but it may be coming from another yeah. uh, joint uh, in, in that area. So it is possible. Um, okay. how, how long ago did you have the knees done? That would be about uh, six years ago for the one and eight years ago for the other one. Yeah, so, so the, it's starting to get towards, you know, the point where they... Not necessarily that they, they've worn out at this point, but all of these replacements of body parts only have a certain amount of time that they really work well for. And then, okay. you know, they I've heard that on average they'll say about 10 years. So you might be just getting too. close to uh, the point where you may need something else. But the reality is that, again, it's great for the, the bone pain that you may be having if you have severely arthritic knees. Um, yes. But it doesn't change muscular pain, right? And the other issues okay. and the referred pain, those are things. That's why even getting treatment after you're done your surgeries is, is pretty important. Well, it could also did, be... Go ahead. Sorry. I did all of the exercises. Yeah. And then I also went to um, uh, physio. Good. Uh, and uh, and that and and this pain, uh, this pain uh, has been uh, like almost almost right after I've had the knees replaced. Okay. Yeah. So then that that's a good indication that it might just be muscular. Now the other thing that that's an indication of is that if you've had that pain for that means six to eight years, you're dealing with a chronic case of pain. That that's going to be very very tough to treat. Now your case is also complicated by the fact that you have psoriatic arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease, right? Which means that you do have a predisposition for your immune system to attack its own tissue. Um, and, And so when that happens, it again may be attacking tissue elsewhere and causing a referred pain so that's yeah. you know that's a compounding effect with multiple yeah. things going on um i have uh i have another appointment with the uh, rheumatologist right uh next week mm-hmm. and uh i've been looking at this uh, uh particular injection that they have uh, i believe it's intramuscular mm-hmm. and it's called cassentrix okay and uh, apparently that works wonders, but it's very expensive. It's covered by OHIP, but you have to go through three or four other medications ahead of time before that don't work because I've tried two of them so far mm-hmm. before you can get that. Right. So I don't. Are you familiar with a Cassentrix at all or no? I've I've heard of it, but I'm not overly familiar. The one thing right. that I can tell you with all of these things where people think that there's a miracle at the end of the line. 
Um, You know, you also set yourself up for failure if you think the other ones aren't going to work. Um, and that well, that's I, I no no I've already taken the other ones and they haven't worked. Yeah, and, and so I, mean, I was just looking forward to for some kind of relief because I have a very uh, a very low quality of life and mm-hmm. with the arthritis my toes are all crossed over and everything else so um, I'm having a heck of a time doing uh, you know a lot of exercise right. by any means. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I can't comment much more on that uh, injection just because I don't know enough about it, and I right. and I don't want to comment on something that I'm not a hundred percent certain no, I about. Yep. I enjoy your show very much. Thank you. I listen to this every week. Thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks for listening. Don. I appreciate that. Uh, moving forward, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Something interesting you were talking about before the uh, the break, and that is um, with the stomach issues and intestinal issues. A lot of it is its nervous system, and I know from experience having sometimes something starts out as a physical problem, and then even after the physical problem has gone away, now it's up in your noodle. Right. right? Yeah. I've, I've had to go through CBT, where it basically came down to a point saying there's nothing wrong with you. Stop, and that's what got rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Stress right. is uh, our, our gut is very, very much innervated by the nervous system, obviously. Um, and depending on what our mental state is like and our stress levels and our, all those things, it can affect it. And a lot of people that have what they think might be potentially life threatening things ends up just being we often will term it something like an irritable bowel syndrome, yep. which is just essentially saying that, you know, you have a somatoform type of pain, which means uh, pain and issues being created by hyperactivity of the mind. It's the same as fibromyalgia. Um, You know, it's also kind of that person that was talking about it, the muscle twitching, all those things, even muscle twitching are often related to just simply stress. Um, And a lot of people don't realize stress can cause, if you look at the list of things that stress can cause, it can almost cause everything. And so, um, you know, Definitely with gut issues. I'm not saying that if you feel a gut issue or some type of intestinal issue that you should just boil it down to stress. You want to do like what these what you've heard uh, our callers say is that they've ruled out the more serious causes. But once those things are ruled out, well, then that's when you go down the line and you tr- you rule out the most serious and then right. you settle for a diagnosis that's most benign only once you've ruled out the most serious. And so once you start ruling out all those things, it's like pain, right? A lot of people think they have pain and they think of widespread pain. They think it might be cancer or something neurodegenerative. They get all those things ruled out. And then what are they left with? It's chronic pain. It's fibromyalgia. It's, it's hyperactivity of the mind. Now this, remember, this hyperactivity of the mind doesn't mean that the fibromyalgia, the pain in your body or the gut issues are fake. It's as real as it is because stress can cause that. And so now the question becomes, well, then how do you treat it? Well, if the source of the problem is a a psychosocial issue, you have to treat the psychosocial issue. You can't just treat the physical body. Um, And this is where, you know, a lot of like more Eastern types of approaches like acupuncture, why there's a good effect with them is because they also do work on the mind at the same time. Just the way the practitioner may very well talk with you. It's so important even how doctors and healthcare professionals talk to their patients because it sets them up for failure you bet. Or, or for or for success. Just Sometimes by, a chat will work, you know? Just by the very nature of the things that you say to somebody, right? If you start saying, well, I'm going to put you on this, but it doesn't really work well, well, you know, you're nice. just decreasing the likelihood that it will work well. But the reality is we have to give the the honest truth, the evidence-based truth. So sometimes if things don't work well, we unfortunately have to say that. But um, And that's kind of where you, you swim a fine line between being politically correct in healthcare and then also trying to do the best thing for your patient. Because 
none of us can discount the the placebo effect and and what we uh believe can happen can turn out happening whether that's positive or negative that if you believe something is going to help you it might help you and if you believe something's not going to help you it might not help you and just that belief that you thought that can contribute to the outcome itself well, i mean yeah, if you got a sharp stomach pains and you realize you got to make a speech at a wedding that night yeah, it might be correlated. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you got exactly a hundred percent, and so uh, the mind plays a very, very. It's it's our computer. It's our processing right. system. Everything that we have in our body is real because of our mind. So that that's what I mean. I I often try to explain to people if I cut you know your spinal cord, you'd have no communication going to your body anymore. You'd feel nothing. So why is it so hard to believe that if you're stressed and you got things going on that it can create issues? Right. It's really not that hard when you, you when you break it down that way. Um, and so, you know, managing stress is, is a big, big thing. And, and stress plays a very, very big role um, in in our health and, and how and the things that we feel. Uh, and you know it's 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 not easy either me just talking about this sure. i'm not trying to downplay it it's not easy to treat it's actually almost harder to treat the stress side of things than it is the physical pro- uh, problems but um that doesn't mean it's impossible you bet one eight five 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 doctor lou d r l o u you want to book that free consultation info at paincarecanada.com and you still got time to call in to the uh, the show here uh, this afternoon till 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Pancho, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1251. You got some time to uh, squeeze in a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Info at paincarecanada.com to email Dr. Lou. And uh, call for that consultation, one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou. You got a network all over the place. It can find you somewhere to go, if not the uh, the main hub in Etobicoke. That is right. Personally, yep. right. Locked up knees. Jody, uh, our producer, was just talking about knees locking up. We go, you're getting old, son. That's all it is. It's age, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Yeah, that, that can happen. Knee issues obviously become more and more prevalent as we age because they just wear down. Now, the other thing about the knee is it's it's a hinge joint so it only moves two ways in between two mobile joints which is the ankle and the hip it's interesting. And, and so that puts a lot more strain on that hinge joint um so you know you can start getting lo- when when i hear a patient that says hey my knees are locking up um you want to make sure at that point that you know the most serious thing that would cause that is something like a meniscus issue um, so you want to make sure that there's no meniscus issue and really some physical testing can point you in the right direction and then likely having an MRI to confirm, uh, you know, if, if you do suspect there is a meniscal issue, um, that could be an indication. Uh, then there's other things. It could just be functional. A lot of things, a lot of problems end up just being functional because of, you know, the the angle of uh, of the pelvis relative to the hip and the way that tracks the patella up and down. And so a lot of those things, knee issues, you know, in my experience, there tends to be, I, I don't know that, I don't know if I can give you a percentage, but a lot of them are just functional issues where people, because they're doing different things or they have a problem, a lot of times the other thing with knee issues is it's actually just feeling pain because there's actually a problem at the ankle or the hip. Um, and wow. and again, because it's a hinge joint, that area is breaking down more. So a lot of times that's where it's really important to get these things assessed early because once the breakdown becomes significant enough, it can lead to um, a meniscus issue or an ACL issue and you know, that that becomes more serious and is going to take a different type of intervention to potentially treat that. It's amazing because, you know, people all have different heights. They have different walking. Some people toes in, some people toes oh, out. Gait some pe- is totally yeah. different, right? Some people have good mobile hips. Some people have very poor mobility in their hips. There's so many things that can affect the knees, and, and that's where having someone who knows what they're doing and knows how to assess it properly is most important. Hey, Jill, good afternoon. 
Hi, how are you today? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you? Just a couple of questions I'm curious about. Um, the first one is I was diagnosed with lymphoma, which I know is the most popular cancer. And um, I have it in the groin, both legs. Um, and they did some radiation um, several months ago. And gosh, I had no idea of the fallout of that. I felt like I was beaten with a bat in my buttocks and all the bones in my and muscles in my buttocks and hips. Anyway, I've recovered from all of that. And I'm coming towards a uh, follow-up appointment in December very soon uh, with my oncologist. And above that site, I've had to touch. It's, it's got a painful area. And I'm just wondering... If he says, well, look, you know, they don't typically like to, from what I understand, uh, do anything about it until it's causing you some discomfort. And I'm wondering if they, they respond with that, should I insist that we do some radiation rather than wait for it to grow and start to press on things? Uh, that that's a tough one for me to give you a proper answer. I really think that that is something you need to know your full case. And I, and I think again, and I'm not an oncologist, so I don't deal with cancers. Um, so I, I do definitely think that you should be having that conversation with the oncologist. And, and again, the, the important thing is if you have questions or concerns, just have that conversation with them. Um, so just clarify for me, you said the lymphoma was in the lymph nodes in the groin area. Yeah, both sides. Yeah. On both sides, okay. And what were your first symptoms? I guess bulging of the lymph nodes is usually what people... Well, oddly enough, it, uh, you know, it was really... I had always felt for about 12 years or something, just like a minor kind of, almost like a metal pain if I was even just walking my dog. And I years ago, I thought, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in really good physical condition. And I played a lot of baseball and sports. Right. And um, when I went to New York, it was in December or so with my boyfriend... Uh, we walked a lot, which was fine, but then the last five or six uh, New York blocks, which are huge, I literally was dragging my leg and could hardly, he was going to carry me almost. Right. Um, so I had nine large lymph nodes that were all swelled in there, and there's no room for them. So right, and so that, that was my first yeah. Okay. Um, I, I do have another question, sure. if I may, sir, and I don't know if it's related. I don't think it's related. Yeah, go for it. I never get headaches. Ever. Right. And... Um, I, it was unbelievable. I started to get, I was dizzy actually for a couple of months. Now I told my doctor I was dizzy for a couple of months, just my rec, my general, you know, practitioner. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know what, see how you're doing in another couple of weeks and then we'll start to look into it. Well, damn, if, um, I don't even know if it was, you know, maybe about seven weeks in and I don't know if these are related. I just can't help but think if they may be, mm-hmm. I developed the worst headache 22 days long, and I'm talking oh my gosh. nine alarm fire. Hmm. Um, I was on liquid ibuprofen. Uh, my boyfriend was, you know, helping me with it. And I know he kept saying, go and get it checked. And I'm just one of those stubborn people that don't go. Mm-hmm. And it was so bad that there was a period of time that I could not even touch the left base of my skull. I couldn't even touch it. It was like I'd been hit there with a bat. And it was 22 days long. Right. And on the 23rd day, I woke up and I thought, huh, it's there, but it's sort of sitting at the doorstep. And do you know that from that point forward, it was gone. And my neck was affected. I, my, I do a lot of laptop work. Um, and I thought maybe I'm sitting wrong. It's the posture thing. What the heck's going on? Mm-hmm. And then over a 
two or three days, it was gone completely. Is it possible it was meningitis? And if so, how did it mm. repair itself? Like, what was that? What I, was I that? don't. I don't know that it would have been meningitis. You would be very meningitis is is often related to bacteria or viral infection. So you would probably be very very sick as well. Fever, uh, you know, all the classic flu like type of symptoms, an extremely stiff neck, um, and and usually it doesn't get well on its own. In fact, if you just leave it, it can lead to some very bad things. So it doesn't sound like it was that. I, I, again, and I'm not 100% sure, um, but it could have been a million different things. Mm-hmm. It could be related to everything else going on. Uh, I think the good thing is that it's gone, and that's maybe where the, the focus should be. But um, give me a call if you're interested in just discussing your case a little further. Hey, Dave, you got about a minute for you. What's up? Hey, yeah, uh, I was curious if... Uh if the doctor would be able to comment on using ozone to treat uh, osteonecrosis of the jawbone. I had a, uh, what was called a, uh, what's called a cavitat scan mm-hmm. uh, from my dentist. And uh, they said that there's possible underlying issues in the sockets where my wisdom teeth used to be. Right. And so um, uh, the dentist suggested uh, treating it with, with ozone. And I've, mm. I've heard a lot about ozone, but I wasn't sure if it would be successful in treating a jawbone infection. So I was wondering if you'd be able to to help me out with that and and comment on it. Yeah, I I don't know enough about ozone therapy. I mean, the premise is that you use oxygen to treat, you just excessive oxygen to treat things since oxygen is what we need. I'm not sure if it's the best procedure for that. Um, That's again where, you know, maybe continue to have a conversation with whoever that specialist was. And, you know, if they're recommending something, I would assume they're recommending it because it's the best option. But I'm not 100% sure about that. That'll do it for another week, my friend. Uh, appreciate all the phone calls moving forward. Want to get a hold of Dr. Payne? No problem. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, next weekend, right here, Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.